This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 22. In our last episode, we discussed what it means to explore our thoughts, to practice love and compassion, both for ourselves and for others in our relationships. I hope you had a chance to explore what are the thoughts that are keeping you in a space that you don't want to be, and perhaps what are some spaces where you can practice loving compassion so you can enjoy the best in your relationship. This week, I'd like to continue that conversation and explore what it means to practice loving compassion and listen to our body. When we're born, we're very much in touch with our body. We explore with all of our five senses. We listen intently. We're chitter-chattering. We're touching everything and putting it in our mouth and exploring with our senses. And over time, the busyness of our day, what some of our senses could be telling us. And especially now with all of the digital and mental clutter that is going on, it can be really hard to know and to pay attention to our body. As part of the discussion in today's episode, just to get you started, what I I'd like to do is encourage you to explore just where you are right now, sitting down. Take a deep breath and when you release it, what are you hearing from your body? Are there any areas of your body that is holding tension? Are you having any aches or pains anywhere? And for some people, that might mean a lot. For some, it it might be the first time that you're noticing that you're holding some tension in your back or in your legs or in your head or your arms and wherever it might be. How was your last meal? Was there anything else you were doing or were you completely present for that meal? Mindful eating can be one of the most powerful ways to be connected to your meal in a way that is both nourishing and empowering. But most of the time, we eat on the run or we're doing something else, so we don't really just get to do that. What about as you're sitting there and just focusing on your breath? What does it smell like around you? If you open your eyes and you look around, what are the colors that you would observe? Now go ahead and close your eyes and recreate that vision in your head. Do you remember all the details? If you were to touch something that is besides you or perhaps even your clothes, what is the texture? Is it comfortable? Is it pleasing? What does it feel like? What does it remind you of? Rub your fingertips together, just your thumb and your first and second fingers, and do it in a very slow way so you can actually feel the ridges of your fingertips. As you take a deep breath, as you connect to both your body and to your external surroundings with all of your senses, as you rub your fingertips and take a deep breath, what is the story that your body is telling you? What are the needs that your body has today? Is there time to take care of it? How can you make time? 
time to nourish it, to follow through on what it's asking you. As we explore some of that, we talked a couple of episodes ago about keystone habits. And one of the keystone habits that is really important for so many people is really building a way to connect to our body. And it might include a fitness routine. It might include meditation or yoga. It might include a walk. It might just include focus, breathing, and rubbing your fingertips together. Whatever it may be, by connecting to our body and listening to it, following through on what it's asking of us, whether it's keeping it a little longer in the shower or going for a walk, are feeding it nutritious food. There are so many ways that we can connect with and empower as well as nurture our body. I'm so excited to explore this series more as we continue this journey of self-discovery and building tools to live our best life. I hope you'll tune in for future episodes and I look so forward to connecting with each and every one of you. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, Dr. Jordana Rothschild. Dr. Rothschild's preventive medicine expertise and her unique brand of care allows her patients to create their own health adventure. She has spent her career helping people stay healthy before they get sick. She helps patients reduce stress to improve symptoms and manage chronic conditions as a physician specializing in preventive medicine. In addition to her medical degree, she has studied mind-body medicine as well as a master's in public health and is board certified in general preventive medicine and public health, as well as occupational and environmental medicine. Hi, Jordana. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Serene. It is so great to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. And I know we've talked multiple times before about stress and life and being a physician mom and all of these things, I would love for you to share a little bit about your journey. As physicians, we don't spend a lot of time talking about wellness, right? We're always talking about disease and pathology and how do we treat it and how do we make things better, which is an important part of our job. And I, I think we don't spend or focus as much on the wellness. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey and how you found your journey to wellness and, and what you're doing to share that. I actually ended up in my journey to wellness the hard way. So when I was a teenager, I was the typical kind of pre-med student, right? Like we, we all know that type, straight A's, super driven, workaholic, neglected exercise and ate garbage and stayed up all night and not sleeping and just overworked, overstressed, always worrying about something. And my freshman year in college, the morning of my first final, my body just completely shut down on me. And I ended up getting really sick and I ended up with an autoimmune disease. And it was just my body's way of saying, enough, you cannot do this to yourself anymore. So I ended up just on my own, not through any specific pathway or guidance or anything, coming to learn to manage my own stress and to make peace between my mind and my body, to treat myself with care and love. And I had to practice that way going forward in order to stay healthy. So as I ended up going into medical school and learning the science behind all of it, it made it all click. It made it all make sense when I learned what is the biochemistry and the physiology of the way stress wreaks havoc on our bodies and just messes everything up in every way possible. So I always just had that lens in my medical practice in treating my patients that you can't treat disease without looking at the way we live our lives and at the context. Disease doesn't happen in a vacuum. It 
happens as part of our lives. And it's, you always know when you come down with a cold because you haven't been sleeping and you haven't, you've been stressing, right? When We always get sick when we're overstressed. For sure. There's just always that connection. And so just treating the cold, it's going to make you feel better right then and there, but you're going to get sick again, unless you take a look at the way you're living your life. Wow. I love so many things that you said. A disease doesn't happen in a vacuum. That's really profound. And you think that we do try to fix, oh, you have hypertension. Okay. There's a pill that can reverse the pathophysiology of elevated blood pressure and we're going to make it better. And, or whatever it is, upper respiratory infections, that is definitely something that can happen when your immune system is feeling a little weakened. And part of that is lack of sleep, not maybe not having adequate nutrition or hydration and all of these factors that we don't really think about. So if we did treat not just ourselves, but encourage our patients to treat themselves with love and care, what would that be like? That would change medicine so much. Yeah. So your example of high blood pressure is the perfect one. Giving the pills for high blood pressure while we're not looking at the rest of the factors that go into it, to me is just like trying to put out a fire while you're pouring gas on it. We're the doctors and we're giving medication that we're pouring water on this fire. But in the meantime, it's just getting bigger and bigger. It's an uphill battle and we're setting ourselves up and our patients up for failure. Yeah. So when you look at our stress response in that way, what are some of the things that you commonly see that contribute to stress? Because a lot of times I hear this even from children now, right? Oh, I'm so stressed. I'm like, why are you stressed? But stress is a very commonly used word. And, and you think, okay, what are things that first contribute to stress? And then the downstream effect, what does stress do? So I'd love to have a, a little bit of a discussion on that. You are completely right that stress is just this throwaway term, this catch all word that we mm. use for a hundred different things. First, mm. I want to back up and let's define stress. What does stress mean on a scientific level? What is stress? When we think of on a cellular level, there's oxidative stress. When we think of on a mechanical level, you can think about stress putting pressure on something physical, right? And when we, when from a physiology perspective, when I talk about stress, I am talking about a very specific cascade of chemical reactions that are triggered by a stimulus. And then our brain sets off this sequence of events that this all or nothing chain reaction the minute it gets triggered. So just to back up and define the terms, when I'm specifically talking about stress in this context, I'm talking about physiological stress, the stress response. So what does that mean? That's something that we all experience. Babies experience it. Kids experience it. It's animals experience it. It's a process that happens in our brain when we as humans or animals perceive a threat. It's our warning system. And it's very primitive. It comes from the midbrain. It comes from the more primitive part of our brain, not the sophisticated part that lets us think complicated thoughts and analytical thinking. That's That part of the brain has nothing to do. It has no role in the stress response, which is why it's so hard to think clearly when you're stressed, because we're shutting it off. We're shutting off our thinking brain and putting our emotional brain, our reactive brain in the driver's seat, which is a survival mechanism. We have to do that when our lives are in danger. If you're under attack, think back to tiger. Or, yeah, <laughs> tiger. tiger is what I always 
the saber tooth tiger, right? Or a battle, a war, when you're in a fight for your life, now it's not the time to sit and think about philosophy. Now is the time where you want to just react. You don't have time to think it through. You need that knee-jerk reaction. So your body, it's so, it's so clever the way our bodies work and it's so sophisticated, but our body is actually going to release chemicals that are going to enable us to perform at our peak performance level for the tasks that we need in order to keep us alive when we're under threat. And at the same time, in order to conserve energy, it's going to shut down everything extra. So think about the things that you want ramped up when you're in a fight for your life. You want your thoughts to be racing and to be not thinking things through slowly. You want your heart rate and your blood pressure to go up so that you can run or fight or whatever it is you need to be doing at that moment. You want your breathing to go up so that you get more oxygen. You want your muscle tone to be more tense so that you're engaged and you can run faster. We think about an adrenaline rush and these people doing these extraordinary physical feats that they wouldn't have been able to under normal circumstances. That's what this is doing to our body. It's giving us that extra rush, that extra push so that we can survive, which is great. And then at the same time, it's shutting down all the things you don't want to be doing. So it's going to shut down your digestive tract. Now is not the time to sit and eat a meal. It's going to shut off your ability to fall asleep because now is not a good time for a nap. It's going to start to change all of those things. It's going to influence your sex drive because again, there's a time and a place and fighting for your life is not the time. So all of these things are happening on a very physical level and it's completely beyond our control. So if you're Mm -hmm. feeling stressed in response to some kind of threat, you have no control over it in that moment because your body is running the show. The problem is that that part of our brain that controls the stress response isn't very smart. And it doesn't know the difference between a saber-toothed tiger and a kid who needs help with his homework. And it doesn't know when your life is in danger versus a mild inconvenience or a deadline or something, some task that needs to be handled for work or for home or for life or any of those things. So what happens is when we are in a chronic, heightened stress response, when we're living all day long with that adrenaline rush, we're depleted. We're going to run out and it's going to cause wear and tear on our body. And that chronic stress is where you start to get these long-term issues where it starts to impact our immune system and our mental health and our physical health in every way. I love it. And I'm so glad that you really just put it down in, in basic terms, what stress would be. So everyone, we can all use the same language and it is outside of our control. And one thing that I've heard from, from people who are there, they feel like, oh, they're really stressed and they're not sure what to do. And it is affecting their health. And when we start having those types of conversations, one of the things that really stand out is like you were saying, it's not about the saber tooth tiger. It's about all these little things that add up. And so we have a, a series of resources, or we have a, a pool of resources that we can use to handle things. Okay. We know the kids need this and we need to do this for work or the home or whatever. So we have a series of ways that we handle the activities or the expectations on our time. But then what happens is like, it's that drip effect. You, you start having one thing added and another thing added, and maybe we're not so good at saying no or managing the time and resources. And at one point, what happens is the expectations on our time overwhelm the resources, not just time, but our energy, like our time, energy, any of the internal resources that we have. And then we go into this like overdrive mode of stress. Even individuals who may feel like, oh, I'm fine. Like I'm doing 
doing well, which is great. But this is something that we want to be aware of because we cannot control when our midbrain goes into stress response. What we can control is, okay, when we are approaching that, are there like alert systems? Are you watching out for, oh, now I'm getting my, my allergies are getting worse or I'm not sleeping as well? Or what are the alert systems that our brain gives that we can recognize? Maybe I am overwhelming my resources. You know what I mean? Absolutely. There are so many different ways. I like to think of it like a roller coaster. So when you're going up on a roller coaster, when you're at the beginning of a roller coaster, you're at that flat part and you're like, okay, here we go. I'm good. I've got this. And then as you start going up the incline, you're still okay. And, and you're going up and up. And when you're right at that top point, you're starting to get kind of those knots in your stomach. Think of that feeling. That is what the warning sign of a stress response feels like. Literally imagine yourself on a roller coaster as you're going up the incline. What is happening to your body. So when you're not on the physical roller coaster, you can be aware of those warning signs. And as you start to feel that climb up the roller coaster, you can make a decision right now, whether you want to stay on or whether you want to get off. But now you're at the very top of the roller coaster and right at the peak, right before that steep drop, your body goes, oh my God, right? You get this terror, <laughs> this panic right before you go into that free fall. It's too late. When you're at that point, it's too late and your body is going to go into that full-on stress response and you can't stop it. But the cool part is if you have that awareness, if you keep tabs on those warning signs, you can catch it before you go into that full panic mode and you end up in the free fall. And if you do end up in the free fall, it's okay. You're not going to die. You're going to get to the bottom. You're going to pick yourself back up again and regroup and it's going to be okay. We don't need to be super calm all the time. That's not a realistic <laughs> expectation in life, but sometimes just having those warning signs. And again, thinking about the physical warning signs, what happens and everybody's body is different. Everybody mm -hmm. feels their stress somewhere different, but knowing in my body, what do I feel like when I'm about to blow it, right? When I'm about to just completely lose it and go crazy and start yelling at my kids and snapping at everyone or running into my room and crying or whatever it is that my thing is when mm -hmm. I'm super stressed and overloaded, what just tracking, just starting to gain that awareness of what do I feel like before the hand on a physical level? So what's happening to my body? Where do I carry my stress? I personally tend to carry my stress in my shoulders. My shoulders make very nice earrings. They look really good all the way up there in my ears. <laughs> but so I know for me that if my shoulders are up in my ears, it's time for me to take a step back because I'm starting to get to that point. But everybody feels it somewhere different. So part of it is just your own body awareness. Then your thought process is going to be different. So what do you notice about the way you're thinking? When you're stuck in traffic, are you thinking, oh my God, I hate everyone. Okay, wait, now if I'm starting to hate everyone, that means that's a warning sign for me. That mm -hmm. means I'm starting to get into my stress response. So our thoughts can be a warning sign. Our emotions, am I irritable? Am I cranky? Am I short-tempered? Or am I feeling sad? Am I feeling nervous? Whatever my feelings are, that's another way to track your stress warning signs. Your relationships, how, does, how do those warning signs start to play out in the people that you're near, your coworkers, your family members, your friends, whoever's around you? Do you start to get really judgy when you're stressed <laughs> or really impatient or really needy? What is your warning sign? So just being aware of all of those different things and the different ways that you react to stress when it's at the lower level, and then you can stop and step back and get off the roller coaster before you're at the top. So true. And really common for all of those elements is just building awareness, really understanding our own body, our own mind, what is going on. And, and as we build that awareness, I think one of the beautiful things is that it 
helps us not just when we're stressed, but also when we are enjoying something, how do we savor that moment? How do we build awareness into that moment more and, and all of these things. So I think that building a, a relationship and a connection to our own self is such a huge part of this whole stress management. Yeah, a lot of it's about a lot about it, the awareness. And on top of that, though, there are also a lot of techniques. Once we have a little bit of that awareness, once we know what our body's doing when we're stressed. So when you're at the top of the roller coaster and you're in that free fall, yeah, you lose control and your body's going to do its thing. You can't pull yourself out of it, but you can take yourself off the roller coaster anytime you want. And you can create in your body and in your awareness, the exact opposite of the stress response. So the same way that our body sets off this chain reaction when we're stressed, we also have the ability to create the exact equal and opposite relaxation response in our bodies as well. So we have the ability intentionally to slow down our thoughts, slow down our breathing, our heart rate, our blood pressure, send our blood flow back away from the muscles and back into the digestive tract and internal organs and regain the ability to fall asleep and calm down. And most importantly, to regain control of our rational thinking brain anytime we want to. So that's a really cool part of all of this is that even though our body wants us to spin out of control, we have the ability and we have the power, especially through practice, mm -hmm. to put ourselves back in the driver's seat, back in the relaxation response so that the smarter part of our brain is back in control. I love that. Would you mind sharing like some techniques perhaps that would be helpful for our listeners just to explore a little bit what that would look like? I would love to. So let's do this together. Everybody sit back and get comfortable. And before you start, just notice where your stress is right now. Are you feeling stress in your body? Is your heart racing? Are you holding your breath? Are you clenching your jaw? Are your shoulders tight? You don't have to change anything. Just notice where you're feeling your stress. And you can take it all down a notch just by focusing on your breath. So you can close your eyes if you want to, or you can just relax your gaze and just bring your attention to the way you're breathing. You don't need to do anything special or different. You don't need to control your breath. It's automatic. Your body's going to breathe whether you want to or not. So just let it and just notice it. Now you're probably having all kinds of other thoughts. What was I doing this morning? What do I need to do this afternoon? What am I worrying about right now? Okay, let those thoughts just float into your brain and float right back out of your brain. Tell them you'll deal with them later and just bring your attention back to your breathing. Notice how your body moves as you inhale and exhale. And you might start to notice that wherever you were feeling your stress before, maybe you can focus your breath on that spot. Maybe you can allow yourself to release that tension. If you can't, that's okay okay, this comes with practice. Focus on the breath. And if your mind wanders again, that's okay. But just let those thoughts go. Come back to your breath one more time. And inhale, open your eyes. And just notice if you feel any different than you did before we started. That's just a simple breathing focus that just for a couple of minutes, you can practice. The nice thing about this one, this one is my favorite. can sneak it in anytime. So when I'm waiting on hold on the phone, I can forget about everything else in the world and, and just focus on my breathing. Or when I'm sitting at a traffic light and I'm starting to get agitated, your breath follows you everywhere you go. So <laughs> this is portable. You don't need any special tools or you don't need to be in a special place. You can do this even if it's super noisy and stressful everywhere around you. Your breath is with you wherever you go. Love it. And also I love these types of 
of practices that incorporates mindfulness just into our normal everyday life, as opposed to finding like the special corner, special time, special place to do it. So by by really just focusing on the breath and, and just building awareness in what is going on in our body, it's, it's actually like way more powerful than we realize. And when I started to do small periods of mindfulness and meditation, like during the day, or I used to try and do it just like in this fixed time. And then I'm like, oh, I have, I'm, I'm drinking tea. It's outside. I have a few minutes. And, and just really finding those pockets of time, it changed the way that my day flowed because it really just was a moment to pause and reflect and reconnect, right? And then after that, you're like, oh, maybe you're building up on that stress level or feeling a little overwhelmed or whatever it is. And then when you take that moment and just say, okay, it's fine. It all comes back to this and it's okay. It's just a way to, to create a reset. I love that you shared that. The really cool thing about this also is that people who practice this every single day can actually change their brains and can change their automatic response to a stressor. But the beginning, I said that our brain doesn't know the difference between a tiger and any other normal stressor. But when you practice this every single day, you can educate your brain to know the difference. So you can always, the more you practice this, and consistency is the key. You don't need to meditate for 30 minutes or three hours, or you go on a silent retreat every weekend. It's very accessible. If you just practice just a couple of minutes, really very simple, this little mini vacation in your day, every time you do it, your brain is getting a little bit smarter every single time at knowing the difference. So just doing it once is going to make you feel great right now in this moment. I hope everybody listening feels really <laughs> relaxed and, and happy and calm, but that's going to go away because you're going to go right back to your daily routine. You're going to go right back to your stress. But if you practice a simple exercise like the one we just did every single day on a consistent basis, it will actually change your brain. We have studies showing with MRIs showing the difference in our brain anatomy and physiology. We really can make a difference. We really can train our brains to react better. I love that. And it's good to know that we have some data to back back up what intuitively makes sense anyway. So that's awesome. So what are some projects or programs that you're working on now? And if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and know more about you, where would they find your information? We have a bunch of group programs going on now. They all have stress management techniques and coping mechanisms built into them. And we have different programs with different themes revolving around lifestyle medicine. We might take one with just a focus exclusively on stress, or we might take a program with a focus on nutrition or physical activity and how stress relates to those, but also working on improving the context where we're living our lives. So we have a bunch of different programs coming up and you can find us at alpinehealthmd.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook. That's awesome. I will include that information in the show notes as well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time that you've spent with us and all of the wisdom that you've shared today. It's my pleasure. Oh, and if anybody wants other guided meditations, we also have a YouTube channel where you can practice these meditations on your own anytime you want to. So that's also Alpine Health on YouTube. That's awesome. That would definitely be helpful. I was doing it and I realized 
like I was carrying a, a little bit of tightness in my shoulders and um, running around a little bit today. So it was really nice to just take a few minutes and relax. So thank you so much for sharing all these resources. Thank you. Have a wonderful, relaxing day. Thank you so much for joining us today. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.